Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg as always, and today we're going to be talking about a couple different things. Uh, first up, we're going to be talking about, uh, uh, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about tax deductions and stuff. I know it sounds silly, but I've been hearing a lot of misinformation on Twitter lately, and I want to talk a little bit about things you can deduct and things you cannot deduct when you are self-employed. have a little bit of experience with this. I was, uh, well, I am still self-employed, but I'm an S-Corp now, but I used to be an LLC. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about that. I think that'd be a great topic for, for YouTubers and streamers and things you should probably know. Then we're going to talk about Activision Blizzard and the employees that are currently bracing for massive layoffs, uh, potentially in the hundreds. And then lastly, we're going to talk about Jim Ryan taking over as president of Sony Interactive Entertainments, SIE. That's basically the PlayStation brand of Sony. And uh, so they have a new CEO, and I'm going to go over some of his uh, previously uh, controversial comments. And we'll talk about some of that as that's that's being kind of blown up. <clears throat> but first... Um, so we're going to talk about taxes. Uh, yay. <laughs> so um, the reason I'm kind of on this topic is obviously it's tax time, right? Um, but uh, I uh, I just got my taxes done today. In fact, that's why this podcast and these videos are coming out a little later is I had to get my taxes done this morning. And uh, it's awful. It's an awful experience when you're self-employed. Typically, your taxes are you usually have to pay in. Uh, rarely do you ever get a refund. In fact, I could argue that you really shouldn't get a refund because that means you're overpaying on your taxes. So as much fun as it is for the government to hold some of your money for a little while and then give you a bunch of it back at the end of the year, they're the ones collecting interest on your money. <laughs> so, you know, anyway, talk to a tax advisor, like get get your best strategy and your best practice. Um, but uh, it, it, I wanted to talk about the topic because on Twitter I saw some just ridiculous information. And like I said, I got my taxes done today. And what sucks about tax time is... Like I pay quarterlies, which means I pay every quarter I pay an estimated amount of tax that I'm expected to have to pay by the end of the year. And if I'm doing my job right, I don't have to I pay a bunch of taxes in and then I should pay very little to almost nothing at the end of the year. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, my business did did really really good last year. <laughs> so, uh, but the better your business does, the more taxes you have to pay. So it's really stupid. And so I'm really proud and like, holy crap, my business was amazing. And then it's now, well, it's amazing, but you have to pay a bunch of taxes. <laughs> it's not really that amazing. So <clears throat> we're going to go over that. We'll talk a little about that uh, and everything. And uh, and I started off as, I started off as uh, an LLC, which is very, very common. In fact, most people you talk to would say something like, you know, oh, should I form an LLC? And that stands for limited liability company or limited liability corporation, whatever. Um, and basically it means that your business is a separate entity from you. So say like I sell someone an Xbox and it burns their whole house down. They can sue game trade, but they can't sue Greg. So they could take my business, but they couldn't take like my house or my car or something like that. If like they sued me or something. Um, so it, it's, it's, there's, there's liability coverage from a company there. Um, well, and now it depends on your state, uh, but some states, uh, do things differently. You know what? Actually, let me let me reboot this because this is all information I want to put in the video, and I didn't start that video very well. So, um, but anyway, uh, that that's gonna be what the podcast is about. So here we go, uh, and uh, enjoy the show. So at first today, like I said earlier, we are gonna be talking about taxes, <laughs> which is probably the least exciting topic of all time, but we're gonna talk about it. Um, and part of the reason is because uh, I have been self-employed for eight years. 
and I learned a lot of things along the way, and I want to share some of those with you. And uh, because it's tax time and everyone's getting ready to prepare their taxes, I've seen a lot of misinformation on Twitter and a few other places where people are saying like, oh, you know, I can deduct this, I can deduct that, I can get this taken off. And, and a lot of people are thinking like, here's, the, you know, here's what I can do to pay less in taxes. And while some of that is very true and accurate, um, so it's not. And so we're going to talk a bit about that. Uh, so first I want to go through this sort of, I found this and I like this, uh, th this was on, um, nerd wallet and basically it was five big tax deductions for the self-employed. So it includes some of the things you can do and also tells you some things you can't do. And then I'm going to go over some of the things that people like to think they can do when they can't. So we're going to talk about these real quick. And then I want to go into a little bit about like how my business is set up and what I use and why I use that sort of setup. And then uh, we're going to talk a little about that too. So, but to begin, the five big tax deductions for the self-employed. So this actually was last August. So this is this is still very very um, relevant. Number one, part of your house. Now this is very key. Part of your house it says if you work from home or you use part of it in your business, you could just get a break on the cost of keeping the lights on. What you can deduct: a portion of your mortgage or rent, property taxes, the cost of utilities, repairs and maintenance, and similar expenses. How it works, very important. Calculate the percentage of your home's square footage that you use in the IRS's words exclusively and regularly. Okay, so let's pause here for a second. This is very important. So say like here, I have, I have a, like a, a room of my house I use for recording. I don't even technically only use it for recording, though. I play my computer games in here when I'm not streaming or recording. And I mean, yeah, I do some work in here, but I also play games in here. You know, I don't use it exclusively for work or for YouTubing. So I can't deduct this off even. And let's say this room is, I don't know, 200 square feet or something like that. Let's say if it's 200 square feet and is that even right? It's probably closer to four. Yeah. Two, let's say 300 square feet. And so say that your house is 3000 square feet. So you're like, okay, well I can deduct 10% of my house payment towards my taxes uh, because I'm using 10% of it as a work office. Uh, again, in the words of the IRS, if you use it exclusively and regularly. So it's not like you can only come in this room once a year, stream out of it, and then say, oh, yep, see, I stream out of it. Um, so there's that. Uh, but then uh, it also has to be used exclusively. So it can't just be like your living room. You can't say, oh, my living room is 1,000 square feet. And I use that, you know, I play games that that's where I stream on my PS4. It's like, but you also relax there. You also watch TV there. You also have fun time there. So that doesn't count. So be really careful about that. So if you want to have a room in your house, it's hundred percent dedicated to streaming. You can do that and you can deduct that and that's fair, but you have to be honest about that. I guess you don't have to be, but you should be. Um, if you ever get audited, that'll be a problem. Uh, so here it says, so if your home office takes 10% of your house's square footage, 10% of those housing expenses for the year are deductible. So you get to also deduct then the percent of the square footage, the percentage of the uh, of the bills and such. IRS publication 587 outlines a lot of scenarios, but note that only expenses directly related to the part of your home you use for the business, say fixing a busted window in your home office, are usually fully deductible. So if this room is exclusively used for streaming and someone breaks the window and I have to repair that window, then that is fully covered because it's part of the fully covered room that we're in. Um, what else can you do? Choose the simplified option, which lets you deduct $5 per square foot of home used for business up to 300 square feet. That's about 17 by 17 foot space. You won't have to keep as many records, but you might end up with a lower deduction. So consider calculating it both ways before filing. So yes, but this is very important. It's part of your house. I hear so many people on Twitter talking about how like, like streamers and part-time YouTubers and streamers saying, Oh, I can deduct my rent. Cause I do all my work from home. Like, 
No, you cannot do that. So please like do some homework. Um, two, your health insurance. Maybe uh, if you bought policies on your own for yourself or your family, you might qualify for a tax break on your premiums. What you can deduct all of the medical and dental insurance premiums for you, your spouse, your dependents, and your children who are younger than 27 at the end of that tax year. Long-term care insurance premiums also count. Uh, it's an adjustment to income rather than an itemized deduction, which means you don't necessarily have to itemize to claim it, which is nice. But you might be let down because if you're eligible to enroll in your spouse's employer's plan, it might become more expensive. Uh, so let's move on. That's boring. But health insurance you can do, especially if you pay for it out of the marketplace, depending on how much you pay, the marketplace will kick back some of that to you depending on how much you make. So you want to talk to somebody about that. Your education. This is actually kind of cool. So you have to stay smart to run a growing business. What can you deduct? The costs of qualifying work-related education, including tuition, books, supplies, lab fees, transportation to and from classes and related expenses. How it works. The expenses are deductible only if the education maintains or improves skills needed for your present work. So it doesn't count if you're like doing streaming and then you're like, oh, I'm going to school to become an accountant. So I, you know, it's not going to count for that because it's not part of your business. Um, but you can qualify even if the education leads to a degree. Review IRS Publication 970. What else can you do? Look at the American Opportunity Tax Credit, the Lifetime Learning Credit, or the Tuition and Fees Deduction. Um, it also goes on to say here, uh, I thought I saw it here. Yeah, so it also includes tuition, books, supplies, lab fees, transportation to and from other classes. So now, could you argue that as a streamer, your education, you could say, well, all those games I bought on Steam were to to practice my, my, uh, my craft so that I could get better at being a public speaker. And in so that was helping my education to do my career which is streaming so yada yada could you get away with that probably do you want to push that button you know so that you can get a thousand dollars in free steam games for the year mm. just something to think about just something to think about your car now this is very important so driving to meet vendors make pickups woo clients but you might recoup some of that wear and tear on your tax return but what you can deduct now this is worded very strange a little more than one dollar for every two miles i don't know why they said it that way here 54.5 cents per mile now, that's mileage that you're using exclusively for work. So you can't be like, oh, I, I drove to Milwaukee and back to see friends. I stopped at a couple used game stores, so I bought a few games so I can deduct the whole trip. You can't do that. You can't do that. Sorry, you can't do that. It's just not how it works. Um, I mean, again, yes, you can do that, but you shouldn't be doing that. That is against the rules. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to get audited. And a lot of things that you do like this... Like, they set up little red flags. So you don't want, you don't want a lot of flags dinging up and then you getting audited and then them going through everything with a fine tooth comb and then you know finding every little mistake you make whether it's on purpose or not they're going to find it uh, and then they talk about retirement savings we're just going to assume that no one doing this for a living has any retirement savings plans yet so we're not going to talk about it but that's so that's kind of some of the basic ones right um so when i worked at gamestop i i arguably could have said I need to deduct every game I buy because I need to educate myself on this game so I can tell the customers about it. And there were people that did that. I knew store managers that deducted every game they bought on their taxes. I just don't think that's genuine. I, I, I And I understand you could probably get away with it and you probably wouldn't get in trouble for it. Probably fine. But it just doesn't seem genuine to me because you're not buying those games to, to... You're buying them for your own enjoyment. It's just the added bonus of then being able to talk to people about that game. But you could make that argument. I mean, you could you could make that argument. Uh, and then there's some people will say something like, well, you know, I stream, I, you know, IRL on my phone when I'm out and about, so I can deduct the cost of my cell phone bill and my phone. 
you can if you use it exclusively for that. But if you have one phone that you use for personal and business, you have to figure out what percent you're using it as business and then you have to subtract that accordingly. All these little things are how you do things the right way. Neat, neat clean, organized, pack it all up the proper way. You want to have, especially the, these early ones, if you're starting off streaming and you're starting off making money doing this, you want to have this all packed away now. Because as you start to get more and more into it, say you're five years down the line and then you get audited and they go back. Cause I think they can go back up to seven years or something like that. So that means like only my first and second years of my business now are not audible, <laughs> which, which I'll be honest. Okay. So like when I first had all my receipts organized and I took it to my tax person, they were in a black plastic bag. <laughs> like I didn't even have a file folder, you know, now I'm much more organized, but back then I wasn't as much. So it's, you know, your first couple years are rough. You're going to learn. Um, but it's good to get, you know, a good foundation, get that concrete down and, and then build from that. So some of the things, yes, you can claim part of your home or part of your rent if you have a dedicated room to your house, okay? It's just, you know, just you can do it, but but be smart, okay? People, please be smart. Um, and then lastly, I want to talk a little about how my business works um, because, and it depends, this, this is state to state dependence. So if you don't know, I'm from Wisconsin. And when I started my business, I formed an LLC and I opened my store. And when you have one person who opens an LLC in the state of Wisconsin, uh, a single owner LLC is basically all the money that Game Trade makes is just my money. Just says, hey, that's Greg's money. Um, which, unfortunately, then that means I'm self-employed, and that means you get taxed an extra 15%. Again, uh, which is not good because part of the reason is because you're not getting taxed on like Social Security and Medicare, Medicaid, but that's not 15% of your check. So you're paying more money in taxes if you're self-employed, which I feel is, I always thought that was kind of weird. You know, um, I don't know why they were extra taxing people that were self-employed kind of feels like it's killing the birth of small business, but whatever, it's how it works. So after time, after my business got to a certain size, I converted to an S corp. And so basically it's still a, a, you know, an entity that's protecting me personally, but now it's a business and I actually have to write myself a paycheck every two weeks. And like, you know, Greg gets a paycheck from, you know, the store and the store is completely separate. So then the store pays taxes at its normal rate. I pay taxes on my normal rate, but I'm not paying that extra 15%. And so there's a lot of little tricks you got to do and you got to really look into it. And, and so if you're looking at doing streaming or anything self-employed, there's, there's, there's a lot of little tricks here and a lot of little, like a lot of little ways to navigate. I don't want to say tricks as in we're trying to trick the government. We're not, but what you're trying to do is you're trying to maximize your deductions and take full advantage of your benefits. That's really what you're trying to do. So get a really good tax person. Uh, I have a great tax person named Sherry. It's a Kirsch tax service. So if you're in Green Bay, De Pere area, Kirsch, it's K-I-R-S-C-H, Kirsch tax service. Her name's Sherry. She's awesome. She's done my taxes every year, except the first year when I got done at H&R Block and they screwed it up. She took over the second year at H&R Block, then she left and then uh, once she was gone, I refused to do business with H&R Block. And then uh, thankfully, I saw that she opened a own business and I, I went to her and, and had her do my taxes again. She did not steal me away like I found her after the fact, thankfully. Um, so so there's a lot of little things that are going on. It's, 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 it's quite the system, but it's this time of year. It's tax time. There's a lot of things going on. Um, obviously, you deduct cost uh, of certain things like say you bought a green screen. You know, if you use that green screen only for the business, which is your YouTube streaming, yes, you can deduct that. Take that off. That's a cost. You know, I mean, that, that all counts. Like, you, you're not supposed to, 
You know, you're not supposed to kill yourself with your own expenses trying to make your business work. You just have to be honest about what's an actual business expense and what's a personal expense. Like, I can't go buy a laptop for myself to play games on and be like, oh, you know, I used it for the store. You know, you can't do that. That's not how it works. Um, unless that laptop was used exclusively for streaming, which means you never took it out of the office. You never play games on it unless you're streaming. So anyway, I know tech stuff is boring. Not the most exciting topic in the world, but because I did mine today and because it's that time of year and I saw some of that misinformation on Twitter, I just really wanted to kind of throw it out there. And, you know, it's an educational type video, you know, I mean, I'm not expecting thumbs up or thumbs down, whatever. It's just it's educational. Look into it and always talk to your own accountant, always talk to your own tax prep person and uh, make sure that you're taking advantage of what you can. Make sure you're being honest about it, too, because you never want this to come back and bite you. I mean, they, I, I want to say the statistics is like 1% of people are audited. But do you want to be far? <laughs> do you want to test your luck? Uh, I, I'm certainly not. So stay on the straight and narrow. I mean, you'll be fine and everything will be fun. So next on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about Activision Blizzard and it's soon to be much lighter workforce. So this uh, this story broke on Saturday. Uh, Jason Schreier from Kotaku once again coming with the exclusive um, uh, the the breaking stories and stuff. Activision Blizzard employees brace for massive layoffs. Uh, staff at the game publisher Activision Blizzard are preparing for big layoffs next week, waiting to see who will be one of potentially hundreds of employees who could lose their jobs on Tuesday. That's today. There's been no official news from the publisher yet, but we first heard word of upcoming layoffs late last year. At the time, Activision and Blizzard staff told me they expected the axe to fall in February, which would obviously be now. And I started hearing more and more rumors earlier this week with whispers suggesting that the layoffs would happen ahead of the publisher's quarterly earnings call which is Tuesday, February 12th. So I don't know when that earnings call was, but the layoffs, I don't know if they're happy now or what. Um, employees across all of Activision's offices have been kept in the dark as they wait to see what will happen. Some say they're pretty sure they're safe. Others say they fear they will no longer have jobs next week. Uh, last night, Bloomberg reported that the layoffs would take place on Tuesday and number in the hundreds. When contacted earlier this week by Kotaku about the upcoming layoffs, a spokesperson for Activision did not respond to requests for comment. A spokesperson for Blizzard declined to comment twice. This news comes after a tumultuous year for the publisher, which consists of two entities, Activision and Blizzard. Both Activision and Blizzard operate autonomously, but are governed by the same C-suite of executives, including CEO Bobby Kotick, who they note here whose salary was $28 million in 2017. Uh, at Blizzard, 2018 was a year full of cost-cutting under Chief Operating Officer Armin Zerza, whose mandate has been to reduce spending and produce more games. Other than expansions and remasters, Blizzard has not released a new game since Overwatch in 2016, which, I'll be honest, I did not know it was that long, and I did not know that Overwatch has already been out for two and a half years, but I guess it makes sense. Employees all across Blizzard have been told to cut their budgets and spend less money, and there's general concern about Activision's creeping influence as the company looks to make more financially driven decisions. In October, Blizzard CEO Mike Morhaim stepped down to be replaced by Blizzard veteran J. Allen Brack, not as CEO, but notably as president. In December, Blizzard abruptly killed the Heroes of the Storm esports program and cut down the development team for that game, which has been its least successful. Uh, people who work or have worked at Blizzard told me they expect Tuesday's layoff to be primarily in non-game development departments, such as publishing and esports. Some of those jobs and roles may then fall to Activision proper, further reducing Blizzard's autonomy. Um, so... Um, really quickly, as we're on the topic here, what they're saying is that when 
people who have worked at Blizzard said that the at least when it comes to Blizzard staff, it's not game developers. It's not people in part of game creation. It's kind of the other stuff around it. So it's the it's the esports bubble. It's the um, you know it's the it's kind of the fringe. It's the marketing, the tech support, all that sort of stuff. That uh, you know, and then what the article saying is then that those roles might then go to Activision in general, which if they do, then that's kind of more of the melding of Activision and Blizzard, which Blizzard for a very long time was left to its own devices because it was so successful. They're like, just let them do their thing. Like, don't mess with them. Don't interrupt them. Like, just, just let them hang, let them do their thing. And, uh, and now though, it seems that over the last year or two, like it's been getting, they're getting more garbled up. Um, so then it goes on to say Activision, meanwhile, has been struggling. Last year's Call of Duty Black Ops 4 was successful, one of 2018's best-selling games, but the publisher lost one of its major franchises after Destiny 2 uh, ex Forsaken Expansion excuse me, failed to meet Activision's lofty expectations. In January, developer Bungie, we did a story on this, announced that it was parting ways with Activision and ending its development contract early, putting the bow on a long-doomed relationship. Bungie would hang on to the Destiny franchise as a result. So remember, it's just Activision saying they're not going to publish any more Destiny, uh, and they're moving on. So that's just basically a piece of their business just broke off and, and left. Uh, the business angle is that Activision is now missing one of its biggest tent poles, but the human angle is that the split leaves people in danger of losing their jobs. Activision employed an entire team full of Destiny support staff, PR, marketing, social media, business, and so on, who now have no work. Um, now, I don't know exactly when that transition is taking, taking place where all responsibility is off of Activision and on to Bungie, but all these people that Activision hired to handle these things for that game, those positions will obviously not be needed anymore. So those are gone. Um, two people close to the company told me that there have been a few opportunities for those former Destiny staff to move to other teams, but those opportunities are limited and members of that department are perhaps the most worried about their job security. The layoffs will likely happen Monday or Tuesday. For now, those who might be affected can do nothing but wait. Um, whew, that's a lot to take in. So first of all, that really sucks for everybody who works there, who uh, not only for the last few months has been worried if they're getting laid off, because that really sucks too, is like when you're not hearing anything, you know, except you know news article rumors about it. So that sucks. Um, I, you know, the same thing like when Telltale closed, you can argue if you have issues with them, if you have issues with Activision, you don't like Blizzard, you don't like Destiny which isn't part of Activision anymore, but if you don't like those people, it's fine, but understand that you... Same thing with, like, the hate on GameStop. Like, yeah, you wish they'd do things differently sometimes, but you don't want those people to lose their jobs. You don't, And you don't want to see a company who does this much in the gaming industry. You don't really want to see another big piece fall, you know? And, and, and I'm not saying sometimes companies don't get too big for their own good, but I, I don't. you just never want to see people lose their job in the industry you love. I'm sorry, you just don't. You should never be celebrating the fact that people are losing their jobs. Um, so there's that. There's the fact that it, no one really knows what's going on. Um, their, their stock is struggling. Uh, it's at like a 52-week low. It's just been nonstop going down. And then the news of the layoffs dropped it down even further. Um, and I don't know what... The only thing that's going to bring that back is some serious positive numbers. So that's either... World of Warcraft, a new expansion that's just going to blow the doors off everything. Diablo Immortal when it launches. You know, I understand a lot of people have hate for that game because it's a mobile game. But that money, that, that game is going to make money. It's going to make a lot of money for Activision. And so it's one of those things that, you know, once that starts getting into rotation, they can start counting the expected profits from that in their earnings reports. Everything will change. You know, it'll be fine. Um, and then uh, the creeping influence, I mean... 
it's kind of how it's always been, right? Like Activision buys up a company and then you're allowed to work on your own until you're not as successful and then they scoop you up and then they just churn you into what it is. Now, Blizzard has bought themselves an incredible amount of credit, uh, like street cred, if you will, because they have been just nonstop successful for the better part of 20 plus years. I mean, 25, 30 years. So when you're crushing it for that long, like they bought themselves a larger window than say when, you know, EA buys out even Maxis or something, you know, and, and, and like eventually merges them in or, or, uh, when, uh, um, you know, when they buy a smaller studio that's had a couple hit games and then doesn't make a hit game and then you you gobble them up. Uh, so it's a little different than that. You know, Blizzard, in fact, they made the name of the company Activision Blizzard because that's how much um, equity the name has. And so, you know, it, it, they're going to be given a little more leeway. But I want to say, like, Morhaime, he's one of the last, like, you know, original, original guys. There was another guy, too. I know he stepped in. He was he was he was working back on World of Warcraft. I think he's still there. I don't think he's left, or maybe he did leave. I don't know. It just Activision Blizzard right now is kind of a mess. The Blizzard side of it, I mean, they're still cranking out quality products, so I don't want to give them a hard time about anything. But right now, like, there's nothing fresh. So like, we're waiting. We're in between WoW expansions. Um, you know, there's no Diablo Four coming anytime soon. Um, you know, StarCraft is on the back burner. I don't think they're working on StarCraft Three. They're working on a WarCraft Three remaster. No word of a Diablo 2 remaster. So there's a lot of weird stuff. Like, they, they aren't creating uh, as much original content anymore. Overwatch is killing it. You know, Overwatch does great. But um, it's weird. And, and so it sucks. Um, but this is kind of how business works. When you get so big and you get so bloated and they try something new, like the esports thing, and you try doing a bunch of other things, if it doesn't work out, you create a whole bunch of jobs that unfortunately now you have to get rid of. And it seems like that's what they're doing is essentially they're, they're you know, for lack of a better term, they're trimming the fat and they're just they they have to go around to make themselves look better uh, in time for the earnings call. So what this kind of reminds me of though too is like this this is kind of how and I know it's on a different scale right but this is the experience I have with it. So so GameStop every week when I worked there as a manager every week they gave you so many hours for payroll right and so imagine having so many hours for payroll and then them just keep like cutting it and cutting it and making it less and less. And you feel like you can't do your job properly. Well, it's what you start to worry about with something like this. They're starting to make cuts. They're starting to, you know, they're, they're starting to, to trim the fat as they say. And then, you know, there's a void there that, that wasn't there before. And you don't know who's getting left out of that. You don't know if, you don't know if like some, some people there were holding certain things together and that now the company won't function as well. Um, is that the case? Probably not. Um, but part of why I brought that up was because it's really easy on paper to show monetarily what happens when you cut employees, or you cut payroll. So like GameStop would say, you know what, our, our earnings calls coming up. We're not having a great month or we're not having a great quarter. Let's have all the stores cut five hours. Right. And so five hours equals X amount of payroll per store across the, you know, five, six thousand stores or whatever it is. And so across that, this times that we instantly saved half a million dollars or whatever and so they can go to a, a shareholders and be like look we cut half a million dollars from our payroll we're fine and it's just a way to like give some, but you don't know again what what were you sacrificing to cut those five hours per store did you not have a person on with another closer and and so they couldn't help all the customers because the service wasn't that great um and so but it's it's easy to be able to 
do like band-aids to problems like that. And, and this seems to be more than that. This does seem to be like almost like a restructuring where they knew they got a little too big and they were, they were taking a lot of chances in other areas. They got bloated and now they just have to, you know, reorganize and kind of bring it back to where it's supposed to be. But it's really unfortunate. And, and obviously we wish, we really wish that, um, you know, we wish them the best. Obviously we wish that everybody, who lost a job will be able to find another one. I know Jeremy knows some people uh, from Jeremy from the drop right here. He knows some people that, you know, had some really cryptic Facebook posts like Welp and all these other things, like basically insinuating that they lost their job. And a lot of them were had to do with the influencer slash, you know, like PR teams, the, the esports stuff. And so that seems to be kind of where they're, where they're trimming. And so hopefully it's, it's a low number. They you know, say they'd say it's in the hundreds. Let's hope it's hundred hundred one or less. Um, but it's really bad and that's not good. And I know Activision is, is really hated by a lot of people, but you never want to see a company lay off this many people. Um, and then the other part I want to talk about real quick, uh, is the CEO's pay. So this is something that, that, uh, and Jason Schreier actually talked about this on Twitter and I, I don't necessarily ag agree with him on this, but so, you know, a lot of times people talk about these cuts and then they reference and say, Oh, but Hey, the new, the new Activision CEO just got his $15 million bonus. Well, a lot of these cuts, these aren't temporary cuts. These are cuts to save money over time. So while you could say, you know, if he could cut his salary in half and save those people's jobs for, I don't know, six months or something. And, and you're like, well, but that's not what they're trying to do here. Like they're trying to reorganize and save money in the long term. Now, are CEO salaries completely bonkers? Yes. <laughs> like I always felt that was weird that they made so much more money than everybody else, uh, you know, for essentially being one person. Now they help guide and shape like the, the direction of a company. And that's no small feat, you know, like that's, there's nothing wrong. Like they have a job to do and they have to do it. But you know, you have to look at that and say, why is it so expensive? It's because to get the best people, companies had to overpay to steal people away. Well, once someone gets stolen away, then it just raises the bar for, for all, the minimum expectation of what a CEO should make. And so there's a whole lot of issues there, but I mean, and some people probably earn every penny, you know, there are some people that have taken over a company and they've turned it around, they've saved it. And some people take over a company and they drive it into the ground. So they certainly did not earn their money, but I don't like the argument that CEOs making this much money and then employees getting laid off is somehow connected. It's really not. It's, it's just more of a, yeah, you could argue it's really crappy that they gave a $15 million bonus to a CEO when they had to let go of a few hundred people. But that was going to, like, that guy was going to get his bonus anyway. I mean, it's, it didn't matter if they were laying people off or not. The two aren't really connected, you know? And so I, I definitely get, though, why when you look at that, it does kind of jump out at you and you're like, oh, you know, it, yeah, like it doesn't necessarily pass the sniff test. You're just like, man, it smells kind of dirty, you know? But it's just, it's just how it is, you know? And, and it, that is just how the corporate system works. And that's how the, the, the corporate, uh, hierarchy works up there and it's just it's the pay brackets you know and and uh, unless all of a sudden all these ceos start coming out saying you know we're getting paid too much we're hurting our companies and all ceos start taking pay cuts you know it's not going to go down anytime soon and then lastly on the podcast today i want to talk a little about sony so um this this was an interesting story kind of came out of nowhere but the headline game informers headline from yesterday, Jim Ryan takes over as president of Sony Interactive Entertainment. So SIE, 
Uh, he's taking over for John Codera, who was appointed to the position after Andrew House left in October 17. I already miss Andrew House. I really liked him in that position. I was sad to see him go. But, uh, you know, he but he moved on. And and, uh, and so you had someone else take over who was appointed. And now uh, they've actually switched that position. So these two gentlemen are actually switching positions. Uh, Ryan has been at Sony since 1994 and long been a fixture of Sony Computer Entertainment Europe. Uh, for the last year, Ryan has been Codera's deputy president, but now appears to be taking over the full uh, the role full time. In 2017, th- this is the part of Game 4's article that I love. But in 2017, uh, this is uh, Jim Ryan. Okay, so this is the new guy in charge of SIE, which is basically the PlayStation brand. So when you think of Sony Interactive Entertainment, that is Sony's PlayStation brand. It's PlayStation, PlayStation Network, consoles, hardware. Um, like view even like the TV services and the PlayStation Network, all that stuff. In 2017, Game Informer adds, Ryan dismissed the idea of backwards compatibility, which I found this these tweets to be incredible. So Wario64, if you ever want good deals tweeted at you like every hour, every minute, follow Wario64 on Twitter. The guy's constantly tweeting out when games are on sale. I, I use all the time. It's great. But he also tweets out some game news stuff too, which I love and hate because here's a little bit of the here's a few of the quotes from Jim Ryan. So the new head of PlayStation. Okay, this is this is our guy here. Quote, when we've dabbled with backwards compatibility, I can say it is one of those features that is much requested but not actually used much. That and I was at a Gran Turismo event recently where they had PS1, PS2, PS3, and PS4 games. And the PS1 and PS2 games, they looked ancient. Like, why would anyone play this? End quote. <laughs> uh, I mean, yes. Yes. I get that. That's not wrong. The problem I have with this is that we're not just talking about PS1 and PS2 backwards compatibility and PS3. We're talking about when the PS5 comes out, I want to be able to play my PS4 games and I want to be able to re-download all of my PS4 downloaded games to that system and play them if I want to. I don't want to have to have a PS4 hooked up to play everything digital like I do my PS3 now. Now, it made sense with the PS3. If you don't know this, the PS3, they had their cell processor. It was magical. It was like seven cores, and it was it could rocket engines, and governments were using it to do rocket tests or something, and who cares? It was overly complicated. <laughs> it was kind of a piece of junk. Powerful, but not a lot of people knew how to use it properly. So with the PS4, they're like, let's get back to a more PC normal processor arch type let's just get back to it so that it's easier for developers to make games for it and it's more like a computer boom they do that boom they're successful i mean the ps4 killed it this generation so i understand why you can't do ps3 backwards compatibility and i understand why someone like him may look at and say well why would you want to play ps1 gran turismo when you can play ps4 gran turismo like sure but what does he not understand about the power of nostalgia? Like, look at, like, not just what I do in my business, but how many people on Twitter, on Reddit, are just talking about old games, game collecting. Retro gaming is super hot, and it's always going to be. Uh, well, I shouldn't say always, but I mean, I mean, we're even getting younger kids that watch people my age play these things on stream. They want to buy them. So I've got 10-year-old kids coming in and buying NESs that are three times older than they are. It's crazy. So he's he's underestimating the power of nostalgia. And maybe he had something to do with the creation of the PlayStation Classic, and maybe that didn't sell well. Maybe that's where he's getting some of his ideas from. But, you know, maybe if, if he if he helped with that project at all, that would explain why it didn't work because he didn't understand why people want nostalgic things. Like, they want the feelings recreated, right? So that was his first one. So he's not a fan of backwards compatibility. Now, this next one, 
talking about crossplay. He was one who said, yeah, we've got to be mindful of our responsibility to our install base. Minecraft, the demographic playing that, you know as well as I do, it's all ages, but it's also very young. We have a contract with the people to go online with us that we look after them, and they are within the PlayStation curated universe, exposing what in many cases are children to external influences. We have no ability to manage or look after. It's something we have to think about very carefully. So I like the statement. I just think it was BS. Like we knew why Sony didn't want to partake in crossplay was because they were leading this generation. And you have nothing to gain but everything to lose if your competitors get to sell games and then still play with your fans. You want to keep everyone in the PlayStation family. It's, it's how it works. And so this was a little disingenuous, but I like the message. It's just, you know, again, I made fun of this when I did the story about this. And I was like, it's for the kids. Everything's for the kids. You, know, you got to watch out. Do whatever for the kids. Um, so I think so. He was the one basically who came up with that nonsense statement. Next, um, this was the question. One of the things you didn't really show were indie games. You didn't really show any last year either. Now clearly, indie games are coming to PS4 all the time. So why aren't you showing them anymore? To which he replied, "One of the things we've realized is that these video collages of ten indie games shown in a minute is almost meaningless." Nobody can really learn anything about the games in that sort of time. It's almost viewed as wasted time. There was a time and place in the early stages of the life of PS4 to make statements. It was more about making a statement that we are serious about the indies and that we were doing this and that with the indies. No Man's Sky and so on and so forth, which broke out from that and carved its own niche. You know, right now, we have tons of indie content on the platform, and the fact that we elected, along with many other things such as Gran Turismo and Playlink, not to give its own spot on the stage this week, in no way means it's not important, or that it's not there, or that we don't worry about it. It's just, it's just It was just good to talk about it in 2013 and 2014. It's less relevant now. We have VR to talk about now, for example, end quote. So what he's saying there is, we don't need to talk about indies anymore. We had to talk about indies when we didn't have a ton of games in the beginning. So we showed off indies. And then we don't need to now. Which, funnily, is Nintendo's strategy right now. When Nintendo has a long gap in between their big releases, they showcase the indies. And they're like, look at all the great games coming to the Switch. Which is a fine strategy. It makes sense. Smart marketing. Um, that's the sort of thing you do because you don't want people to ever feel <clears throat> like there aren't games on their system so there's nothing wrong with that but then to say that now we don't have to show indies anymore because you're showing off ghost of tsushima and last of us 2 and days gone and spider-man and god of war i mean that doesn't mean people don't care about indies uh and, and it's really disappointing to hear that because this this is something i thought of right when i read that nobody can really learn anything about the game it's almost viewed as wasted time it's not viewed as wasted time to the guy who created that game or the girl who created that game it's not wasted time to them and if I get to see a game even for 10 seconds, it looks incredible. I want to look more into that game. <clears throat> and so I think he was thinking, yeah, from Sony's standpoint, it's almost viewed as a waste of time. <laughs> but what about from the indies, the creators, you know? <sighs> Sorry about that. It's, my throat was killing me all of a sudden. <clears throat> so uh, so then there's that. And then this last one is hilarious. Um, Jim Ryan, quote, Knack isn't even a good game. I'm not sure what Mark Cerny sees in it, and I have no idea why we have a sequel. End quote. <laughs> Dude's crap-talking Knack. I mean, it was a fine game. I, there's nothing wrong with Knack. I don't know. What's this guy's problem, man? I don't know. So what worries me a little bit is that he seems to not care about backwards compatibility. He seems to not care about uniqueness. And if he doesn't like something, then it's stupid. 
it's not it's not that he doesn't like it. It's that it's not a good game. You know, I don't like that sort of wording. You know, like I don't like country music, and I don't think the music's crap. I'm not gonna say it's crap. I'm just saying I don't like it. You know, and so yeah, I'm not. So I'm not a big fan of that. But so anyway, that was uh, <laughs> that's kind of the big news coming out of Sony this week. We'll see how this shake up. A lot of times, this stuff doesn't matter anyway. There's already a path that they're on. But it makes me a little more nervous, you know, like I would have rather seen a face or seen somebody who goes, man, you know, here's the things that we think are important here. Here's what we want to do. And if it aligned with everything I loved, I'd be a lot happier. It doesn't, but that's okay. Um, and I'm sure he will do a good job. And there are still other people. There's still a lot of people there that were there for a long time. And he's been at PlayStation for a long time. And I do respect that. He's been with Sony since 1994. So since the launch of the PlayStation, I mean, that's pretty incredible. Um, and to, to be loyal to a company, stick around for a while. I think that's a good thing. So I'm pretty happy about that. So we wish him all the best. We wish him well. And obviously we'll see what happens with the, uh, we'll see what happens with this launch into the next generation with the PlayStation 5. And that is it for the podcast today, everybody. Uh, I still have to think of a game to talk about because I didn't, I didn't pick one ahead of time, if you can believe it. I mean, if you can believe it. I don't know if you can believe it, but I didn't. Um, I feel like I've talked about everything. Ugh. That tax talk really got me excited. I'm yawning here from talking about taxes. Um, tax time, tax time. Um, dang, I don't know. I'm trying to look through here and see. If there's like I'm looking right now through my my Sega Genesis, Dreamcast, GBA wall. Um. Oh, Greg, just pick one, huh? Like you guys aren't listening anymore. <laughs> There's no way listening anymore. You guys left long ago. You guys fell asleep during the tax part. What the hell does it matter? What game we pick? Um, let's talk about. Let's talk about. No, let's not talk about. Um, let's talk about. I have a lot of Spider-Man games on the uh, Genesis. Um, let's talk about. Man, why is this so difficult today? Normally, I just look at the wall and we go, "Oh yeah, this is a good game." Let's talk about it. Um, let do 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 do. I'm really stalling at this point, but I am I am legitimately looking. Uh, have we have we ever talked about? Let's talk about Uncharted Waters. So my game of the week this week is a game called Uncharted Waters. It's on Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, maybe PC back then. But for sure, Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo. Uh, I have it on Sega Genesis because that's what I played it on. Uh, very, very interesting game. It, it looks and kind of plays like a turn-based RPG, except you are on like a trading ship, and you're trying to... You're trying to... Uh, just go to go you'll go to a port you'll pick up things buy them at a certain price and like take them to another port and sell them where they're worth more and it's actually kind of interesting because you leave from you know europe wherever you are in europe and you start just sailing left on the screen so you're sailing west and you go for like screen after screen like there's a lot of screens there you know and you actually can sail around the whole world you know and, and there's a whole lot of things like you have to keep your crew happy and there's like negative things that can happen but it's kind of an interesting take now the second uncharted waters called like new horizons they actually turned into more of an actual rpg uh uncharted waters i always felt was more of like a trading simulator that looked like an rpg 
but it's kind of a fun game. So check it out. Um, I've never finished it. I've, I've played it, you know, a, a bit here and there, but I remember renting it when I was a kid and just fell in love with it. I should probably play through it again sometime, but, you know, add it to the list of a million other games that I should be playing right now. Um, but anywho, that is the podcast for today. A little bit shorter one, but you know, I'm just like, my anxiety is through the roof for my taxes. It just drives me nutty because you know, like I've got so many expenses and you try to expense everything. And at the end of the year, my tax lady's like, well, I think you missed some stuff. I'm like, I don't know where I could have missed anything. You know, she's like, well, there's this and this and your money here doesn't match this. And I'm just like, I just want to die. Like, please just please. The stress levels are like just too much. Um, but anyway, uh, so I'm going to go chill out. I'm gonna play some games. You all have a great day. Do the same. It's snowy. It's another blizzard here. You know, we didn't get any snow all the way through Christmas. And then all of a sudden in the last month, we've had like five snowstorms. Um, but anyway, if you're, if you're in the area and you got a snowstorm, hunker down, it'll be over by the end of the day. And, uh, and we'll talk to you again next week. As always, I appreciate always for listening and watching. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube and you want to listen to it on iTunes, you can uh, you can just go to iTunes podcast app, search for Game Talk Radio. Look for me wearing a Game Trade shirt and my little Mega Man sprite. And uh, if you are listening to this on iTunes, if you like watching these in broken down segments instead of listening to it all at once, you could uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which we broke 4K. Remember, I kept saying the last couple weeks, I was like, we're so close, we're so close. We broke 4,000 finally, which is funny because a year ago to the day, we were just barely breaking. We just barely broke a thousand so to go from one thousand to four thousand in a year is really 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 makes me happy so my goal is by the end of the year to get to ten thousand because once you get to ten thousand things really start opening up for you you start to uh, you know you start to really get uh it starts to show more you know you get to start you know get more into rotation a lot of things start to happen especially if you have good content so uh which i believe we do so it's that grind out so by next february the goal is ten thousand which that's 6,000 more when we only got 3,000 in the same amount of time last year. So we'll see. You know, it's it's always tough. It's always a grind. But I appreciate everyone always, again, for listening and watching. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash drop rate. Or if you search for drop rate, look for the yellow and gray DR logo with a little down arrow. That's us. Thank you, as always, everybody. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a good day. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.